You're listening to Founders On Air with Steve Orenstein and Mike Rosenbaum. This podcast is sponsored by Zoom to You, Australia's on-demand courier marketplace. Get your parcels delivered within hours rather than days. Today we have with us Andreas Jumla, CEO and co-founder of Longtail UX. I knew I'd get it right, Andreas. Was that right? Yes, that was perfect. Cool. So great to have you on Founders On Air this afternoon. Thanks for your time. So you're an ex-Googler, you have run large PPC teams in uh, large agencies, you've held senior roles in, in other businesses like Vista Print. Tell us, how did you get started and why did you decide to uh, start your own business? Uh, that's probably longer story, so you have to interrupt me here when it gets too long. So I always wanted to start my own business, but to be perfectly honest, I, didn't, I never knew exactly what I wanted to do. It was more like the feeling I wanted to start a business, but then... Specifically, how this came about was that um, my co-founder and our co-CEO, Will Santo, he was my client when I was working at uh, Denso Aegis at the agency. And I basically helped him to implement like a long tail, um, like rebuild of the website to basically capture the long tail traffic and help him to compete in search. And that was based on my experience I had from another startup that was between Vistaprint and Google. It was a vertical search engine for real estate in Europe. And... When I helped Will to do that on his website and his developers to rebuild the website around that concept, it worked so well that when I then afterwards wanted to leave Australia and just do something different, he basically convinced me, said, this works so well, we have to make a product out of that. And yeah, so that, 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 was, that was really, I always wanted to do my own business or like start something, but it was really just meeting a co-founder or meeting someone else. And then together we really had this, this light bulb moment. Fantastic. And how long sort of did it take you to decide to sort of jump ship from the corporate world and, and, and join parties with, with Will and, and build a patented product? It, it, was, it was pretty fast, actually, because uh, I knew I was going back to Europe. My partner had a good job offer there. And then with her having a job, for me, it was easy to say, I'm going to try something on my own and I'm going to risk it. So we had one steady income and I could take the risk. And pretty much within three weeks, we, we agreed on um, working together, sat down at the exchange in Belmain a few times and discussed the shareholders agreement and how we structure this. And um, yeah, pretty much within three weeks, we, uh, we had everything set up. It's pretty quick. Yeah. And so when, when did you guys get started and how long till you'd sort of built out the product or the first iteration? Yeah, so I think the decision was quicker than in actually building the first iteration. So the, the story was... The decision and those meetings happened in April 2013. We established the company in uh, August 2013. And the first line of code was probably sometime around June, July. So yeah, it took right. a few months then to actually do so, that. So sort of six years into the journey, thereabouts, six or seven years now. Yes, correct. Yep. Yes, yep. yeah. Fantastic. Just shifting gears for a moment, what do you do when you're not running long tail UX? I, well, we have three kids at home. Um, there are two and a half, four and six. So that keep me quite busy, which is actually a great balance because once I'm at home with them, I forget about the business at least for a bit. So that actually gives you really the, 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 the energy then also to jump back in again. And um, I try to do lots of sports, but between startup and family, um, that's probably the part that suffered a bit. Awesome. Nice. And so tell us, for someone who doesn't know anything about Longtail UX, just describe the business and what do you guys do? So the technology is a landing page automation technology. It basically helps, it plugs into a website and then you can build landing pages for keywords. And the difference between what we do and, for example, Instapage, like there's other other 
systems where you can build pages, landing pages. We basically take the the content, the, the website content, like a product feed or a listings feed, and then match that with the keywords. So it's not just a template where you just change a few words and a few images. It's actually an integral part of the website. So you could imagine it's like, like micro collections, right? Like for, for a retail site, it would be, you already have TVs, you already have 3D TVs, you already have the different brands, but then our landing pages, we, our system can create like your 32 inch curved screen TVs, which like is a page you wouldn't have before. Yeah, like okay. filling okay. gaps okay. basically okay. Between, in a website. Yeah, yeah, cool. And so the system just does that automatically and building that? and. Uh, the system, like once it's set up, it does that um, automatically in the way that you can upload keywords and every single keyword builds a landing page. And then for SEO, it also integrates those pages contextually within the website with links. Um, and for paid search, it actually also creates single keyword ad groups yeah, right. for, for those landing pages. So there's a bit more more to it. But yeah, okay. it's it's in the essence is a landing page system that plugs into a website and builds pages within that website, which look exactly the same, just has much more functionality than the website CMS. Yeah, right. Yeah. And your typical customers, are they seeing sort of increases in traffic as soon as they start deploying this type of technology? Yeah, so on, on the SEO side, I mean, it's still, it's very different from traditional SEO, but it still uh, adheres to the normal rules that Google first has to index the pages and then they, the, the ranking goes up over time. But we deliver uplifts on SEO traffic anywhere between 15 and 150% on the incremental traffic and also revenue. Wow, yeah. awesome. And so the types of customers that you're targeting? So retail, like basically any website that has a lot of inventory. So retail, marketplaces, well, there's like real estate, automotive, automobile, job boards, and even financial services insurance if they have enough content. So if they have like a thousand blog pages or like, it pretty much starts from a thousand pages. Your website needs to have a thousand pages because our system needs content to match to keywords. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. And how big is your team, and sort of how much capital have you raised to date? So the team is worldwide thirty-three now, but the majority is here in Sydney and Belmain. So we have twenty-nine people in Belmain now, and then we have uh, two people in Europe and two people in the US. Their their sales okay. um over there and raised capital. There's been different rounds and it's been all in all around 6 million so far. Yeah, right. Awesome. And the types of people that you've raised money from, has it been sort of private um, funds? Or? So far it's been like mainly private equity. So that is definitely something. Uh, so my my business partner, co-founder, Will Santo, he had a previous business, so he still has the business as well. Yeah, he's just not involved directly in the day-to-day anymore. And through that business and his background, he worked in private equity. He just has a, has a good network. Yeah, and also, awesome. that's how we were able to raise from, from that type of, of investors. Yeah, right. So it wasn't challenging sort of going out and finding people. You were having that network sort of really makes a big difference. <laughs> no, not, not so much for me. I mean, he obviously uh, had to do a bit of work, of course, and, and, and we pitched. And, but um, so he, he had the network, yeah. So, so that's a bit how we how we share the workload. So I concentrate on the product and, and the product delivery for clients and we'll concentrate uh, more on the sales and also investor relationships and then the marketing and, and product positioning we do together. Yeah, cool. And so from like when you started the business to now sort of you've got customers throughout the world, sort of how long did that sort of take you and what was that sort of steps like? The first international customer we had pretty quickly, uh, but also through network. So we had a automotive customer in in Mexico. Um, that was after, well, after after three years. But that was that was just one. And then to really 
get more international customers, we, we then realized that we actually need a team in those locations because you can't like being in Australia is amazing. It's like it's an amazing work culture. There's lots of talent. I, I think now also the VC and, and private equity like for sector like for um, investment for startups is there, but the time zone doesn't help. So if you want to yeah. Uh, for servicing, you can still somehow do it depending yeah. on the product, but but doing sales, you have to be. You can't just tell them, "Hey, we can we can do demos and we can talk," but only uh, between five p.m. and six p.m. your time. So, yeah, it yeah. Makes, it, makes it hard. Yeah, and and what's the split of your customer base like based from Australia and and throughout the rest of the world? So at the moment, customer base is still 75% Australian and 25% international, but it's quick, very quickly changing. Yeah, cool. Can you share with us some of the typical types of clients that you have, some of the names perhaps? I mean, Spacer, we, we were one of your early clients. Thank yes, you very much. Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's been a, been a great partnership, but who else do you work with that you can share? Yeah, so we work with um, Dan Murphy's, for example, and the WeWorks Group. Um, we work with uh, a few other large retailers, Really, we probably have four of the top 10 in Australia. Grace Online is our first, uh, was actually our first retail customer since like a long time ago, really in the first year we signed them. And then, yeah, then there's startups as well. I mean, with Spacer, there's a few others also in the peer-to-peer space. Uh, Mad Paws, for example, um, amazing customer. Iconic Store was a customer, also worked really well for them, but then they basically rebuilt the entire website and then probably took the learnings from our tool as well, integrated within their website, which is fair enough. Uh, but they were a great customer as well and a great business. And so, yeah, it's really anywhere, like if you're a startup, if you have enough inventory, it works really well. Um, but also really large, uh, Adobe Beauty is a customer of ours. So we'd love to well. pick your brains on SEO for a little bit because I'm sure a lot of the founders listening today, they'd love to learn a few tips from you. Yes. So I guess you've got clients from, as you say, early stage through to the big yes. top, top brands in Australia. At what stage would you say that you know entrepreneurs should be thinking or, or business owners should be thinking about SEO? Should they start from day one? Should they wait till they've kind of got traction? What's what's your view on that? And wh- and where should they start? It's probably very much depends on where your customers are and and whether your product is something people would search for. So the search channel is very. You have to be very specific. In our case, for example, for our business, the search channel doesn't work, which is quite weird, right? You would think, well, you're experts in search. Um, so clearly your acquisition channel, one of the most important ones should be search. But people don't search for long tail landing page automation because, well, it's something new. It's That's why we have the patents. So we could think about it as much as we want. It would be really, really tough. But if you have a business which is a cons- a consumer oriented, definitely if you have a consumer product and where SEO really helps you, but also paid search in general, it really helps you to understand how people think about your product or how they search for something, right? It's not just that they search for, in your case, like parking space or uh, like for space, right? Or uh, storage space. They search with phrases as well, and then they call things maybe in a different way than you would think about it. So I think search... If, if the channel is relevant, if your users are actually going onto Google and searching for your type of product or service, you should start definitely from, from the beginning to think about it, yeah. Yeah, very interesting. And so what are some of the worst mistakes that you come across? You know, I'm sure there's some clients, you go, oh, you shake your head, well, why the heck did they do that? You know, they got some bad advice along the way. What, is, what, what are some of the things not to do? 
it's really hard to say that about others because when I look at our business also, we've probably made a few decisions where in hindsight you would make them different. But at the time with information you have, well, definitely when you have a website, search is important or is a channel where you, you, your potential customer is searching for what you offer. You really want to make sure that you have you use a system that actually works for Google. Like I, I've seen businesses who were advised on using certain CMSs or certain systems where they were just not, the pages, the content can't be properly indexed by Google. So, or like when you go way too custom, right? Like you have, you, you I don't know, there's WordPress, there's Shopify, there's, there's like all these technologies everyone uses. Um, why would you custom build something if you can use something out of the box initially? Because then you have so much technical debt and you you don't even know i mean you know like we all know right when you when you when you start a startup when you start a business what do you think your business is, is in the beginning if after 5 years it's like still 80% of that is true you're doing really well but very often is actually you go into different directions so when you start hard coding stuff or like custom developing stuff you can actually throw a lot of money and time out of saying yeah, yeah we say this in german yeah no, that's great advice. So would you say, so just listening to you, is, is it the technical side and the kind of site structure, is that the most important thing to think about from early on and, and choosing a platform that is kind of SEO friendly or that Google can index, like you say? Yeah, I mean, so SEO, you can probably, there's, there's different elements. And the first thing is really you need your your content, what you're offering, what you have on your website needs to be readable and indexable for Google. I mean, that's the first thing. You can have the most amazing content and the most unique offering if the Google crawlers can't index them. Like there's, there's no point. So that's probably the like, accessibility for, for Google that they can actually read what you have. Well, the other thing is like we, we come across like some marketplaces. Space is a great example. Imagine you had a marketplace where you start actually with an app, right? And then, or and where someone goes on your website, they can't actually see your content, can't see the parking spaces and all of that. It's all behind the login, right? Because you think that would have been a great idea. Well, for Google, it's not because they can't they can't access that. So then you have, for Google, you have a website of, of one page, right? and that doesn't help. So like there's these things you have to think about. Um, and even if it's like, if, if you don't want users to see all of your content, would you still then not show part of it and then put for every, 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 inventory item you have only show the main information but maybe not i don't know not the phone numbers of people or whatever or uh, but yeah so so i think the, these this this is the most important and then the actual structure how you structure your website and 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 what content you build that comes after that and and for that you have more time the other thing is if you are if you want google traffic and if you want to rank at some point you have to think about your domain authority because you can, again, you can have lots of inventory. Google basically, well, that's the original page rank, right? Looks at at links to your website as votes, how important your website is. And because there's right now, there's so many websites out there, you compete, right? There's no single keyword where you, where you have, where you're only competing with 10 websites. You compete with like thousands and millions of websites. So yeah, you have to think about how, how, how you get how do you get authority for Google for your website? And, um, and so that's all about sort of building those those links coming to your site. Yeah. So yes, it's it's link. What you call link building. Yeah. But it's yeah. you think really you should really think about it. Yeah. How how can you get other websites and people more interested to point to your site? And then I think 
it could be news articles where you're mentioned. Yeah. It could be could be blog articles. Um, I mean, sometimes you still have to do traditional SEO link building where you pay someone to s get into directories and all of these things. But it's not; these things have stopped working really. They don't, yeah, don't right. work as, as well anymore. Like you need links from authority websites. Yeah, okay. so you need to think about partnerships. You need to think about news, about PR. And, and these things, yeah. But you have to. So, the, so the days of like adding your comment onto someone else's blog and putting in your URL is sort of just doesn't add any value these days. This podcast is sponsored by Parkhound, Australia's parking marketplace. To find a convenient parking space near your home or office. Yeah, I, I would say so. I mean, if it's if it's tens of thousands and it's in a pattern that Google thinks it's actually real. So ideally, hopefully it would be real. People are actually talking about you and yeah. commenting or you do it in a way, but it, it, I think there's just so much effort. If you want to artificially create the impression to Google, it's it's hard. Yeah. Okay. So I wouldn't go down. Also the, the challenge is it might work for a while and then there's another algorithm change and Google gets a bit smarter about how to figure out what's real and what's not. And, and then you've wasted all your yeah. resources, yeah. And, and so I see like a lot of service-based businesses like the trades, plumbers and electricals, mm. a lot of them have like their service and then it's like forward slash the suburb name and to build out sort of additional landing pages. Like how, how relevant do you think that is these days? Well, it's, it's, it's a tough one, right? On the one hand, you have this rule or uh, Google has this, um, you don't want to create duplicate content. And, and let's say if you have a service and you cover entire Sydney, and then your website, uh, you just add pages for all the different suburbs and basically say the same. Oh, we also work in Belmain. And yes. then we also work here or work there. We deliver pizza in, and then you basically pick every single street. That is duplicate content. Or it's, it's just useless content because you don't actually have enough relevant information. On the other hand, when you think about it, from Google's perspective, if you search for like plumber in, in Piemont, but your business address happens to be in, I don't know, like a few kilometers away, but you actually cover the area, Google wants to show you, right? Because that's a good user experience. So you have to think about ways how you, if you cover those areas, what is the unique content and information you can display that actually is both relevant for the user, but actually also differentiates a bit for Google. So in that case, you could, I don't know, like if you have different reviews from different people from different places, right? Maybe that's very relevant. Like if you, if you have reviews from, from Piermont and also reviews from Belmain, um, if I'm a user and I see reviews from around my area, I probably am happy to read them rather yeah, okay. than like just okay. go through. Or if you have different, like, I don't know, times it takes you, how long does it take you to get there, right? Like yeah. uh, within 20 minutes, I can service this within 30, like this. Or if you have different prices, if you have like all of these things, you can create those pages. Yeah, okay. yeah. Well, It's like, not as easy to just duplicate and then yeah, just yeah, do yeah. a final replace. Yeah. yeah. Or, or like numbers of bookings in those suburbs or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah okay. So blogs, I mean, they were big in the 90s, right? Or maybe the 2000s, <laughs> I'm showing my age. But how valuable are they today from an SEO perspective? You know, even our team, we spend a lot of time building out content, like you say, but yeah. does Google care about blogs? I mean... Oh, they do. Like, um, so we work with a, with a number of businesses where they get a lot of traffic on their blog. The, prop, the, the, the good thing about blogs, just from an SEO perspective, is you, you can very easily identify like again like a long tail keyword or something you want to rank for and you talk you, you talk about the the topic and then maybe because your website is relevant anyway for that for that topic and then you can rank and you get traffic for those right especially also for like more like semantic queries like 
where do I how how do I find a uh, I don't know a cheap parking place uh, around where I work or whatever and you can you can you can write blog content the problem we see very often is that some businesses that get 50% of their traffic and more onto their blog it just doesn't convert right so um so on the one hand then you have your services and your products where you don't get as much traffic but then you have your pro- your your blog where where you get a lot of traffic but the the conversion rate is like 0.001 so you've done all that work and it's sort of good but so to how get you, the traffic yeah so how do you convert that then have you found yeah. have you seen clients that are doing that cleverly yeah, um, we 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 well, we're, we're probably we're probably one that isn't doing it so cleverly. <laughs> yeah. Well, we sh- we should we, sh- we should we should talk. talk. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, so I need I need some long tail UX. <laughs> yes, yes. So there's this very clever system. No, so what we 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 help businesses basically target keywords with our platform where where the landing page template basically is a mix of the blog content which is relevant to a keyword, but also the products and services. So in, in your case, then if you if you write about a certain uh, parking problem or user problem in a certain area, you would then basically have you could you could show all your relevant blog articles on the one side, but also actual um, like a call to action or your your inventory that matches search results. Or search results yeah. in that yeah. case, yeah. So we do that a lot. We actually um, work with a lot of clients, and that's financial services insurance, a great example. Um, how often do their blog is their blog section completely non-commercial? It's also a different team, right? So uh, the the content team and the SEO team very often there are their KPIs are traffic and and maybe keyword visibility and like like uh, but not actually revenue or leads because it's really hard to measure anyway. But that's also how they approach their their, their pages um, and and the, and the whole tasks. But when you go into SEO with much more of a like a paid media mindset. And you actually think about conversion rates, and you think about ROI. Your your pages would look very different. Every blog page should have a clear call to action: say, sign up here, or 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 book this, or or here are some products that match this. this. Yep, right. Sense. And and so switching gears from SEO to PPC, like what are you sort of seeing in sort of the things that have worked really well, and you know what's what's the most important thing when you're thinking about setting up a PPC campaign? Um, PPC is really very much about scale. So again, the long, long tail traffic, it, like all those three, four more word combinations where users f- search for something very specific <clears throat> and often really semantic, like with um, Will's other business, for example, we figured out that he's, he's listing um, his career FAQs and they list online courses. And a lot of people don't search for accounting, accounting courses. They search for how do I become an accountant in, in New South Wales, right? Again, great blog articles, but if you if you show if in paid search you actually target those keywords, and then you show a list of accounting courses, they had a really high conversion rate. So, again, figuring out how are the different what are the different ways how people search, and then being able to build out a campaign structure to target all all those keywords. So yeah, long tail. Figure out how how what are the specific searches. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. the landing page that the person's landing on once they've gone through that ad is that how important is that? It's very important. Again, that's why we built our tool where we, we can basically match a landing page for every single keyword. So if uh, we work with a uh, tutoring, uh, online tutoring business, I think we're running 70,000 different landing pages for them right now for paid search, which is 70,000 ad groups. It works extremely well for them. Just because every keyword you target, you have an ad that exactly tells you well, it's a story to the keyword, and then you click, and then you land on a page that shows you exactly the content for the same keyword. And the same for, for retail. Everyone knows those shopping ads, I guess. 
I don't know, to pick the Adore Beauty example, like, I don't know, shampoo for frizzy hair, um, or for gray hair in my case. When you, look, when you click on the shopping ad, you land on one product. But if you have a landing page where you actually have all your 17 or 18 matching products for that, well, your conversion rate is much higher. So, but for that, you need automation. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that, well, that's basically what we built. Yeah, yeah. cool. Awesome. So you've built a great business. You've sort of six or seven years into the journey. You've mm. now expanded into Europe, into the US. What's next for Longtail UX? And what's, what's your big vision? <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, so that sounds like we've already made it and we already ha- are, are Maybe I should be in marketing. I established, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, yeah, so we're, we want to be, we want to get much more established in Europe and the US and we also launched into Japan. Um, so we have a partner, we don't have our office in Japan, but we have a reseller in Japan. We signed two large clients over there already, which meant we had to rebuild our entire system to work with CJK languages. That's fun. I think this the next couple of years will be very much about getting much more an international client mix currently sales is much faster in those markets as well and then consolidating as in like once you have more clients then you need to have customer service over there then you need to have like a pre-sales engineer then you need to have an implementation team we just started we have a sales team there but we will actually have like offices with all different functions except maybe the, the 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 actual developers on the platform they will still stay here but that is, yeah, so that, that is, will be a lot of work over the next couple of years. Vision for the business really is everyone should be using, I'm saying, this kind of optimization on the side because it just makes sense. You want to you wanna have a one-to-one relationship between what people search for and what you show them. You want to really make sure that, that that works. I mean, right now, um, and hopefully for the future, we have a patent solution for, for SEO and we're, we're about to also a patent pending for paid search. I don't think we're going to be the only ones over time. There might be others who do something similar. But yeah, everyone should be using that. So basically, uh, vision for the future is we'll off- have offices in all the different regions and have lots of clients. and um, Speak lots of languages. Speak lots of languages, <laughs> yes. And when you think about like the different clients in different countries, are there particular countries that are doing sort of this online marketing much better than others? Or like how does Australia compare to the, to the rest of the world? Uh, I have to be very careful, I guess, now, <laughs> but I'm, uh, luckily I'm not here. I'm, I'm not on the record here. I think Australia has a very particular setup for, and I can really only talk about this, the search channel, but what I see is that still a lot of businesses depend very much on agencies, whereas in other countries, in Europe and the US, if you are a larger business and if you if you work with an agency, you define the strategy and the agency executes. What I see in Australia still very, very often is that you pay an agency as a business, but they basically dictate your strategy. And also very, very often you go to a business and like we go and say, hey, we have this offering. What do you think? It's, oh, this is amazing. But then it's really up to the agency to decide whether it makes sense for the business or not. And and in, in Europe and the US, it's the other way around. Like the, the, the business actually makes the call. So that, that's a huge difference. Yeah. And, and I actually even said like, as just said the other way, sometimes it really feels like for some businesses is actually, it feels like the agency owns the client. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tail wagging the dog. Yeah, seriously, yeah. yeah. Not, not, not all of them. And they're, they're great agencies. That's not, and. We work with some and there's others we don't work with and they're still great. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but just the type of relationship, it's, like, it's very, very different here. And do you think it's just because people internally inside those businesses don't have the knowledge on SEO and don't understand sort of 
what they need to be doing? Yeah, and I'm, I'm not talking about SEO. I'm talking about paid search as well. Yeah, like right. just just the same actually. Yeah, yeah. M- maybe knowledge is one thing. Also, especially for larger businesses, it's very different when it's a, like a, like a pure play online, right? Pure play online players. Well, very often they don't even work with agencies with performance media, or when they do, they they call the shots. Um, and then they have the agency to execute, and because sometimes agencies then they can execute better at scale. Yeah. But but I'm talking more about the traditional businesses, and I think it's there's probably a few reasons. First of all, for those businesses online, is actually not as important yet, because the percentage of of online uh, like e-commerce here compared to to um, traditional was it just it's just at ten percent I think, and when you go to the UK, what is it like twenty four? It's massive. It's much, much larger. And I think until a few years ago in Australia, it used to be like 7 or 8%. So I think as a big business, it's first of all, it's not as important. And then also very often larger businesses, the digital marketing manager might have been like in a completely different area before. Like you get promoted within your, within the business. You have lots of experience within the business, but you don't actually have that much experience on the topic. So they have to rely on it. So it's, it's definitely also knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Well, thanks for joining us on Founders on Air today, Andreas. It's been great uh, picking your brain on SEO and PPC, and thanks for being so generous in sharing. And for those who are interested, check out longtailux.com. Is that right? Correct, .com. Yes. Fantastic. Thanks again, Andreas. Well, thanks for having me. Thank you. You've been listening to Founders on Air with Steve Orenstein and Mike Rosenbaum, a podcast designed for founders by founders to help you scale your business. For show notes and to ask questions for future episodes, go to foundersonair.com. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe. We'll see you next time.